Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Bam. Hey, and bam. <laughs> Welcome to the uh, podcast. So that's a, that's a powerful way to start. That is, you start with the bam. The bam. In our homily class, they tell us you got to end with a bam, but you just started with a bam. That's so. right. Welcome, uh, welcome to the podcast. Welcome back from Denver, Colorado, on this lovely uh, November morning here up in the treehouse. We have a guest with us today. We do. This is this is. I feel like we're like a legit podcast right now. I was telling the guys before we started because on the Father Faza podcast, Faza, the actual stuff you should know. Josh and Chuck, everyone knows, has Jerry. Right? Jerry, right. And today we have a Jerry. We have a Jerry, and his name is his name is Mike. Mike. So welcome, Mike. Uh, Mike is a friend of mine from high school, friend of Joe's from college in Steubenville, and uh, just uh, really grateful. He's the guy always stuck listening to this every week and then mixing it and trying to make us sound better than we actually do. Exactly. All this different editing stuff. out our cuss words and stuff. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> exactly. The uh, and I'm happy. He's John has quite a mouth for those I'm, of you who might not know. <laughs> I was in the I was in the Navy. No, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm just happy he's here, though, because Joe never actually pays attention when I speak, so now I feel like I have, have somebody an who's actually listening. That's actually so present here. Before we get started, I need to tell you both, uh, Winter Park got 10 inches of snow last night, so the ski season is about to begin. So if I'm a little distracted today, it's because I'm, uh, I'm ready to hit the hills here. Are you going up this weekend? Uh, hopefully on Monday or Tuesday. Really? So Yeah, but nice. it's uh, it's exciting. This is like the biggest time of year in Colorado. That's not uh, the Colorado. weekend, but that's still so, kind of cool. Exactly. Topic? Um. Am I going right now, or are you? I think I go this... Yeah, this Why don't is you mine. go? <laughs> okay, good. I'll go. Okay, I was uh, accused by uh, a certain friend of mine, Joe, who said, uh, you know, John, your topics are so theological. And by the time you're listening to this, you already clicked on the link that, that wasn't, said... That wasn't a criticism. That was just a Right, right. Uh, just an observation. Joe is probably a much much nicer guy than you're making him sound. Exactly. He's just a simpleton. The uh, But by the time you're, you're listening to this, you clicked on the link that said election, vocation, and mission. And you might be thinking, ooh, oh, that sounds kind of intense. But this is actually going to be a very different podcast. This is going to be a very different style because this weekend we were up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, the UP, uh, for a wedding of our friends Matt and Bernadette. And, uh, Which is not part of Canada, I found out. Not part of Canada. Believe it or not, still part of our country. But uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is because both of them, uh, now married, happily married, great, beautiful Catholic wedding, but uh, they both agonized. For years uh, over vocation, you know, what am I called to do? Where's my spouse? And this is like a really pressing thing for a lot of people. Well, that, they were young Catholics at once, which is pretty much what you do when you're a young Catholic. That's what you, you do. You freak out about what you're supposed to do. You freak out exactly. You either freak out because certain people are trying to get you to go to the seminary, or certain people are trying to date you, and you're trying to figure out marriage, uh, consecrated life. You know, what am I supposed to do? And uh, so I want to speak to that today, and that, that's why we're talking about this uh, theology. So we're going to go into the theology for a second, Joe, if you don't mind. I, I'm loving it, man. Okay, if you're okay, that you're still focused. Take still me to attention. the heights of contemplation. Okay, yeah, I don't know about that, but the uh, we'll, we'll do a little theology and then uh, tie it in, and hopefully this actually, believe it or not, has a practical application. Which, if you know anything about me, uh, that that is not usually where it <laughs> ends up. Usually, just ends up in kind of space, you know, uh, theological space. So I think you're selling yourself short. Election, vocation, and mission. Now these three terms get put together um, in the theology of. Hans Urs von Balthasar, who's my favorite. He's a Swiss theologian from the last century. Hans. Hans. And uh, we're actually going to do a podcast on him, maybe next time. Not surprised. Not surprised. (laughs) But anyways, I came across this reading, um, and what he's doing is he's saying, you know, in the scriptures, what we see is that there's this language of vocation, which is the Latin word vocare, to call. 
but it's always after something and leading to something. It's always so vocation. We can't, here's the point of this. We can't just talk about vocation without talking about where it comes from, which is election and where it's going to, which is mission. But we have gotten into the habit kind of culturally, just as Catholics. And, and this is just our time of speaking about vocation and only being concerned with vocation. So what is election? What is vocation? What is mission? And how do they tie together? That's kind of the first thing. And then hopefully we can go into some practical application to this and this can tie into people's lives and hopefully kind of make a little more sense. Fundamental to the Christian life is not vocation, but it's election. Election. uh, Alexio being the Latin word for chosen, uh, selected. Now, God chooses Israel in the Old Testament And he chooses them very specifically. He chooses them. He could have chosen any nation. He chooses them for a very specific reason, just because they're to be his beloved. They're to be the firstborn son of all the nations. And through them, God is going to bring all of them back. But the problem with this is what C.S. Lewis calls the scandal of particularity. Hmm. It's a scandal that God would choose them instead of anyone else. Why why is he always dogging on the Egyptians, right? He has to go kill all all their gods and do all this different stuff and... Um, why is he doing that? Well, it's very, very specific. But in the mind of God, love is always particular. And if God is love, then each person, and e- and in this case, the nation of Israel, has a particular love. And so fast forward to the time of Jesus, who's fulfilling Israel, right? He, Jesus is taking on the mission and the identity of Israel, and he's fulfilling it. And as God, he comes into the world, and he chooses specific people. It's really beautiful. I mean, you think of the Samaritan woman at the well in John's gospel. He spends four hours with one woman. God comes to this world and spends four hours just with one, talking with one woman. I mean, that's amazing. It's amazing to think about. Hmm. But what about these other people? What about, you know, such and such? And we live in in a demic... dissing somebody? Is God dissing or Jesus dissing somebody or saying no to somebody else by saying yes to this person? Exactly. That's that's kind of a hard thing to swallow. It is. It's a hard thing to swallow. We don't like that. And that's why C.S. Lewis really puts it. He nails it. He says it's a scandal that God's love is so particular hmm. that he loves people specifically and different and differently. And we hate this. We hate this because we live in the American democratic society and it's everything's equal all the time. There's no, there should be no distinction. Everyone should have equal thing, equal rights. And that's good. There is equality between people and there is equality, um, in, in the way that we relate. Well, I don't the, know if it's just, honestly, I don't even know if it's just democracy though. I mean, I think it's just part of human nature. If you see somebody, getting attention naturally and that you kind of desire that there's a jealousy there and i mean even people who aren't american i'm sure uh and aren't don't come from a dem- uh, democracy the the whole idea of election and particularity with with christ and with, with just with this topic i think it's just part of human nature where it, it's a scandalous thing you it know? is it is and that, but it and might be i mean well that is true but the question we have to ask is why in the united states are we so afraid of particularity in our in even in the church the, the the catholic church in the united states in a specific way i think you're right to say everywhere but we're really afraid of particular oh that's favoritism favoritism elitism all these different things we're afraid of that and um you know you and i joe we're going to be priests here in a couple of years and it's there's a temptation that we have to be equal friends with everybody and everybody has to get equal time all the time and it, and it just it kills guys when they fall into that trap and when they try not to scandalize people by particularity um, it becomes a huge problem. Now, I'm not saying that you know when we're priests, we got to go out and just pick our favorites and only hang out with them. We need to be all things to all men, like Paul is saying. But we also have to realize that love is always particular. Mm-hmm. Love is always particular, and there are going to be people in our life as priests that you just love. You just love in a different way. 
right? I was talking with a guy last night who's he's got seven kids and he's, he's struggling. The family's struggling, but one of the problems is one he's so close with one of the sons. I mean, they just they just connect on a level, and there's a particular love that this father has for his son, and it but it affects the the relationship with the other sons. Now he's a really good man, and he's always trying to balance that out. But we have to we have to think about that um, that there's a natural thing to that when you love someone, you love them distinctly and uniquely. Right, and God's love for us is always particular. But in the church, we don't talk about this. We're afraid to say God's love is unique. God's love is particular to me. Right? It, we have to have a profound sense that I have been chosen by God, and in my baptism, I enter into His life in a totally unique way. So God calls all men; He desires all men to be saved, as Paul says. But specifically, me in a specific way. Mm-hmm. That God loves me in a specific way, and He desires to give Himself to me, totally unique in any way, shape, or form, and it's different than any other person who's ever existed. That's a profound profound thing. But that's what election is all about. And if we're going to be men and women who have a profound sense of our own election, only then can we understand vocation. So you can see how this problem of the scandal of particularity actually affects vocation. Because if you just set aside election, and, and I'm guessing a lot of people who are listening to this, you've never even heard that word, election. Isn't that something to do with like Calvinist 16th century... But it's not. It's profound, and it's the foundation of our life in Christ, that God has chosen us first. We have been chosen. We have been elected by Christ specifically, and it's nothing that we did. It's an objective chosenness that comes especially in our baptism, and graces are unique to us and only us because of that chosenness. Okay, so that's the foundation. Cool. Then we go to vocation. So if you have that foundation in election, then what I'm proposing, then you can really discern a vocation. Because you're coming out of something. You see, the problem with our friends Matt and Bernadette and our life as well, and, and you know every young Catholic struggling, you feel like I'm not doing anything. My life is not okay until I enter into my vocation. Until I start doing something with it. Until I start doing something. Instead of just like, okay, um, I have not found my, I have not landed into my vocation. I've not been ordained a priest. I haven't been consecrated as a religious. I haven't married. But nevertheless, I have this unbelievably unique chosenness in being a spouse of Christ in the church through my baptism. Profound. And that should be a constant source of gratitude. And what I'm seeing, uh, I've seen in my own life and seen in the life of a lot of my friends, and this is like people in their 20s particularly, is that there's that gratitude falls away and it gets filled with anxiety. Anxiety about what has not been fulfilled versus gratitude in what already exists. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So if we have a sense of our election and our chosenness and, and kind of the unique love that Christ has for us, then the, it should free us from that anxiety of approaching the vocation. Because what is vocation? It's a call. It's a call. But what is it a call in light of specifically, I'm playing this game again, read my mind and tell me what I'm thinking right now. <laughs> I hate this game. I know you do. That's why I like to play it. Nice. The vocation is the subjective fulfillment of the election. Ah. Okay, we reduce vocation to the two sacraments, vocational sacraments, so to speak. Um, religious marriage, life or marriage. Marriage or, or priesthood, essentially. And you've got to kind of figure it out, find your spouse, do, you know, and, and then finally then you arrive. But then after you're married or after you're ordained, then you're like, now what? Because we reduce it to just I have to figure out which sacrament God wants to give me, and then I enter into that state, and that's vocation. Now I'm living my vocation. Well, kind of. Vocation is a whole life's process. It involves that sacramental change, that sacramental grace that comes in marriage and priesthood. But really, vocation is the fulfilling of my election. If the election means God has chosen me, then the vocation means I try to live up to that call, 
to that what he's doing. So we have to like widen our understanding of vocation. Not to say that we shouldn't be discerning marriage, priesthood, marriage, religious life, but we have to we have to see it in that fuller context of it comes out of the election and it can't be understood. And so, I mean, as, as spiritual directors, Joe, we really got to be attentive to this. If they don't have a profound sense of their election and their identity in Christ, in the chosen, specific, particular love of Christ that might scandalize other people, they'll never be able to enter into a vocation. That makes a lot of sense, though, because I do think that there needs to be an understanding of identity, meaning like, I'm a child of God, I'm a son of God. And like the vocation ultimately is the way I remember talking to a spiritual director about this when I was in college trying to figure things out. And... He was saying the vocation, your vocation will be the way that God calls, the way that you will love uh, like Christ's love mm-hmm. and get to heaven. Like right. that's your vocation. But you can't do that until you learn how to, you can't give what you don't have. And you're in a time now where you don't know what your vocation is. And you know what? Who cares right now? Let's just let's just try to love and, and grow in receiving love from God, receiving God's love and a confidence in that. And he, what, he gave me great advice. What he said to me was basically... The more you learn, you grow in love. The more you grow in how to love, the more the way that you're ultimately supposed to love with your life will just kind of become clear. Right. You know, because you are already familiar with this kind of flow of grace and and God's love and grace into your life and having it overflow out into your life. And the way that that's going to take shape in in your life as a whole will become more clear as you, as a single person, young person, continue to try to do that. Try to like live live in grace, live in love. And be poured out in small ways, you know, with my relationships, with my, you know, schoolwork or whatever. You right. Know? And I, and then that really is, is what we have to try and live because um, we we just get in the sense of like we really feel like the vocation question is like this like puzzle that we're trying to put all the pieces together. and We're trying to do as fast as possible and the clock's ticking and you better figure it out and make your decision quick. Mm-hmm. You know, is this the guy? Is this the girl I'm supposed to marry? Am I supposed to go to seminary here or there? All these different – these questions and we get so caught up in that. But we think of it as like um, – a question that has to be resolved versus this is how Christ is drawing us into intimacy. This is how he draws us back into that chosen, unique love that he has and he's given to us in our baptism. So that's great advice from that priest. And that's what we need to really foster as we're going through this vocational time. But then the other question is this. It goes beyond. It goes beyond vocation. So if election is the identity, the chosen love that God, remember God always initiates, then the vocation is the call that's hidden in that election and that we're responding to, then (laughs) (laughs) you give me these funny looks. Sorry. And then the uh, vocation leads into the mission. I always talk with my hands. That's why you're probably laughing right now. It's just like everything is like, you see, this is where vocation and this is where mission is. The, uh, but vocation has to be flow out into mission. A lot of times we forget that the two sacraments, marriage and, um, and holy orders, they're called sacraments of service in the catechism. They're at the service of others. And we really have to see a sense of like, God initiates and he chooses me. And I try and live in response to that. But it's not just enough for me to just respond to that. I have to, I have to go outside of myself. And the fruits of that vocation are in the mission. And this is what's cool. Ready for this? Do you know what mission fundamentally is? It's about bringing people into an experience of their election in Jesus Christ. So it's like our mission is to go out and to start this process for other people. You you and I and Mike as well, we need to go out and we need to give, we need to be specific and we need to be scandalous in our particularity. And that's why groups like Focus uh, with their discipleship model. You it, might want to describe what Focus Oh, sorry, is. Focus. Fellowship of Catholic University Students is the largest campus outreach in the country right now. It's phenomenal. Catholic. Catholic, Catholic yeah, thank you. 
Thank you, Jill. And it is a, uh, um, but they're scandalous in how they. Yeah, part in, of the model is sending out, sending out these missionaries into these campuses and starting these Bible studies. But within those Bible studies, electing, choosing um, one or two, they call them disciples to right. disciple to to kind of give them an experience of election and of God's love for them, and specifically to form them, help to form them in the in the Christian life, right. so as to give them a vocation to be sent out to do the same thing, to start a Bible study and to kind of be a leader to kind of, they call it spiritual multiplication is the term they use. So it's exactly, exactly they're doing this right now. They're doing it and it's very, very effective. And they get a lot of flack for this, you know, oh, you're too Being specific, you're too elitist, you're Instead too such Instead of having such. these big kind but of if, like group things. But the, you know, the particular, we can be particular in our love because the church is universal. You know, if everybody's doing this, everyone's going to experience particular love universally. Right. You know what I mean? So we can't be afraid of that, but we just need to get people into this mentality that your mission is fundamentally to give them a sense of their election. Because Christ already loves them, but they need to be experienced that through in an incarnational form by somebody coming to them. Which is wild. You think about the disciples even. I mean, Christ you know, went up on the mountain, prayed, and came down, and from all of his disciples, chose 12. You know, right. they might have been subject, that might have been scandalous to some people, like, whoa. Right. And why, from the 12, he had three. And, right? he, and he had Peter, James, and John, right. right? He pulls them off every now and, and then. And from the three, he had John. Of course he would have chosen John as his favorite. No, I'm just joking. The, uh, but it, it is so, um, it really is just scandalous to us, and we really have to rethink, how am I living in such a way that Am I living out of that chosenness? Am I seeing my vocational discernment as a response to that chosenness? And then is that vocation flowing out into the mission and giving people a sense of that election by by me choosing them? It's a really, really important thing. And if you're stuck, if you feel logjammed in the vocational, the 20s vocational crisis thing, maybe what you got to do is just get out there and start choosing people and, you know, have a Bible study of young men, young women, um, get involved with a particular ministry, find, figure out what is God calling me to do in my mission. And then when you start to bestow this sense of being chosen on other people, all of a sudden you'll start to realize, wow, I, this is kind of unfolding in my life. And this is what I experienced in seminary leading a Bible study uh, of guys was like, the more that I was missionary in the profound sense of it, the more I was in touch with my own chosenness, my own election, and thus able to better discern my vocation. So that's kind of the you're like that's not practical but that's about as practical as I can get no that's awesome man that, I mean it makes a lot of sense because there's a lot of people and I can I can include myself in this during a time where you have this anxiety about my vocation you don't know what to do so you just kind of hang out and you see this in a lot of I mean the Catholic Denver, Denver Catholic scene uh, was like this for a while and I'm sure it's like this in a lot of places I talked to my brother and my, some friends across the country and a lot of the friends like we're all about building like young single Catholic people in the in the culture it's like in the parishes there's families right. and you know they have stuff for the families if you're a kid you can be in a youth group but right. if you're a young single person in their 20s it's like what do i do so you just kind of hang out and you're building community and like hey let's go you know after mass let's all go to a bar or something like that or let's hang yeah. out let's do stuff but there's this sense of like there's not any way where you're being poured out exactly and you're being sent or being kind of participating in the dynamism that is gift and receptivity and gift and receptivity that is the trinity and that is part of living the christian life absolutely and it's almost like we bottle up the graces that God wants to pour out in our lives because we're never emptying ourselves to others. Absolutely. You know? I totally agree. That's great stuff. I, I totally this is agree. very practical. Thank you. And, and you know, for for men and women, it takes different forms. Right. From my experience, just from from living this and dealing with this my own life, uh, but also with being, you know, walking with friends in this, for men, it's fundamentally like laziness, I think, is the is the great temptation to just be, to just not, 
you know, just play video games play and just kind of hang out. We're not looking at you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's, Mike's, Mike's getting Mike's Mike. <laughs> But with, with women, it's really, it's an anxiety. Um, and this all goes back to Genesis 3. And if we haven't talked, we haven't done a podcast on that yet. We'll do a podcast on it at some we point. We say that about but, everything. I know, I know, exactly. But I mean, that's really, we got to be, uh, we got to realize that and, um, and, and then react to that. We got to be responding to that uh, and, try and try and live this out in a deeper way in our life. Mission. Great Mission. stuff. There you go. Well, good work, dude. You got an email for us? Yeah, can you make like a sound effect or something? So we can be like, oh, that's that's the email sound effect. Listen, so that was you. Know. That was you ruffling papers while I'm talking and not paying attention. <laughs> All right, <laughs> we have here now um, some awesome emails. I think we actually. I think it's safe to say we have like fans. Oh man, fans. that's kind of scary. It's kind of funny, but it's like we they, have some awesome fans. Like, they don't know got, us, I guess. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe we'll see how long we can keep this fan thing going. But um some really great people that are listening to the podcast and we get some great emails and we have to be particular in how oh, we share them. Oh, nice. Um, so, so, I mean, I would be, it would be great to uh, share, give more people some shout outs, uh, but we keep getting more and more, which is kind of cool. But I just want to share uh, one thing here. This is from Megan. Uh, Megan, the title of this, uh, this email is listening from overseas. She says, my name is Megan. I'm currently living in Fremantle, Western Australia. I didn't know that existed. Uh, I didn't either, but we got a fan in Western Australia. She's from Boulder, Colorado, and she came there to study at the University of Notre Dame. Maybe they have like a satellite, satellite campus. campus or something. I don't know. I first heard about your podcast from my Bible study leaders, particularly (laughs) back in Colorado. Um, And when you first started, I've been listening ever since. Your podcast a long time ago on the Tetragrammaton. That was like pre-Joe Doman, but I think I remember listening to that one. That was a good one. Pre-Joe Doman. The podcast on Tetragrammaton actually helped me to remember the word in both my ethics class last semester and my theology class this semester. Thank you. I enjoy listening when I'm not studying. So... Well, great. You actually helped her out in her theology class well, there. Well, um, you know, you're very welcome, and uh, hello from across the, the world. It's crazy. The Atlantic and the Pacific. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's across the Pacific. Right? Uh, it depends which way you fly. I you think, think I'm not saying that. So, yeah. So, yeah, if we help you do any do well in your classes, we want to hear about it, too. We so want to hear about email it. Email us. CatholicStuffPodcast at gmail.com. We also love to know where you're from when you write us, so just, you know. Be in touch and let us know about any topics, ideas, or, you know, things that Joe does badly that he should be correcting. Or, you know, constructive criticism. There you go. Thank you. All right, thanks. See ya.